This is the Date Night Podcast with Amber and Kurt. Welcome back to the Date Night Podcast. I am Kurt. I'm Amber. How are you, Amber? Good. 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 Yeah, it's good. Well, let's not uh, let's not waste any time tonight. Let's okay. just jump jump in right in. I got a story I want to tell you about. This is a throwback. Do you remember? Um, it's been a while. Oh boy. We I, I shared a story with you uh, from a, a city in Michigan, mm-hmm. where a woman was suing the govern the city government for marking tires. Yes. Do you remember this? Yes. Um, in case you don't remember, listener. Um, this city in Michigan has a process of the parking meter person or the parking en- enforcement person walks around and when, when a car has been in a parking spot too long, they have a little like grease pen, grease marker, and they put a little mark on the tire. And then the person that issues the ticket comes around and puts tickets on every car that has a mark on the tire. Mm-hmm. And a citizen sued as like um, an unreasonable warrant or an unreasonable, like a Fourth Amendment sort of, like, that's my car. You can't do that to my car. That's not a constitutional um, thing you can do. You're breaching Mm -hmm. my rights. Mm -hmm. And that was going to court when I brought it up the last Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Well, that case has been settled. Okay. Um, there, there was some talk, I don't remember if we talked about this, but there was some talk that this was going to be a class action suit. So everybody in the city that wanted to join this class action suit, um, that has gotten a a parking ticket with the mark on their tire could Mm -hmm. join this class action suit and get a cut of the compensation. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, that didn't happen because they weren't going to get enough compensation. It was going to work out by the time it was settled that everybody that got tickets would have gotten a dollar. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so okay so okay. they didn't make it a class action suit because you know one dollar one dollar okay. so it ended up being this one woman one mm-hmm. woman and her attorneys fighting this um city law um, and the constitutionality of it okay uh well she won uh the oh, courts okay. the courts in michigan have determined that this in fact is not constitutional that she does have the right that the that the um, that law enforcement cannot physically impose on her vehicle. That that is not that that is a protected right under the Constitution for this woman. So she, I I don't think she actually won. I think she I think they settled outside of before that ruling came down. Okay. I, I want you to guess. So the the AP article. Um, shared, quoted the number, the amount of money that the woman got in the settlement and the amount of money that went to the attorneys for, I'm assuming, cost and things like that. Do you want to guess how much... How much she won? How much she won and how much the attorneys ended up getting? I would say... How many tickets were we disputing? Did it she, say she had? I saw in this article she had six, but I thought we were in the teens. Okay. Okay. It, it was a lot. It okay. was many. Okay. Um, but she wasn't disputing the tickets. She was parked improperly. She was disputing the constitutionality of the tire marking. 
She did okay. not dispute. She claimed, she affirmed that she was that she was parked illegally. Okay. But you can't put the mark on my tire, which I, I don't want to make light of constitutional rights. They're important. Okay. Anyway, you um, want to guess the numbers? I would say she won $100. Okay. And paid $5,000 in legal fees. You were in the ballpark on one and not even in the same zip code for the other. She, <laughs> she was awarded $1,000. Oh, uh, $1,000. Okay. Um, it did not say how much she paid for the parking tickets. but Okay. But, but parking tickets are typically not that much. No, parking tickets are pretty cheap. I've gotten a couple. <laughs> <laughs> granted, granted, it was a long time ago. Okay. It was, a, it was a long time ago, and they were 10 bucks a piece. Did I'm you a, actually pay the tickets? Of course. I am a law They were in your college, citizen. weren't they? In college years? High school. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So um, I'm assuming they're more now, but I can't believe they're much more than like 25 bucks. Okay, anyway. anyway. So she was awarded $1,000. Okay. You're right. This was against your constitutional right. Here's $1,000. Okay. Uh, the attorneys, um, uh, they received $59,000. <laughs> 59 thousand dollars hundred dollars no no fifty nine thousand like who, who like fifty nine and three zeros who paid fifty nine thousand dollars uh the article was not clear uh if that was like um like this woman actually got a settlement for sixty thousand and ended up ended up having to pay fifty nine thousand so it was not clear where that number was coming from but it was clear that she ended up with a thousand, and they ended up with fifty nine thousand. So I think this was time well spent <laughs> for the attorneys. Absolutely, for the attorneys. Um, that is insane. Yes, I, I thought this was quite um, eye opening. Uh, and you know, when when the words "I'm going to sue you" get tossed around culturally, so they settled out of court. Yes. So so my guess is that there was either an expectation that they that they might not win what they wanted or that like, like that their, their, their award wasn't going to be what they'd hoped for and they were just going to settle for this or that maybe they weren't going to win. I, I don't know. But it, it, but it was thought that at least enough of the experts would have assumed that, yes, this is, this is not constitutional. Like, like enough people thought, you know, that, that it, it was within her rights to say you can't do this, that they would give her a settlement, right? Um, but but they, it did not go to court. So time well spent. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to do with that. Oh, my. I thought this was like a, a nice satire moment of like, oh, boy, this is the legal system at its best. And... Again, I don't want to make light of constitutional rights. They're important. But um, I, I don't know that this woman imagined she would get $1,000. <laughs> I think she imagined she'd get much more. So if we've learned anything here today, um, the takeaway is just be careful what you sue people for. Or maybe just be careful where you park. No. That's not what I take away. No? Okay. No. Okay. Okay. But I want to hand it to you. You you have an honorable mention this week. I have an honorable mention. Before I hit record, we argued. No, we debated. <laughs> we, we negotiated. Debated. 
We yeah. looked at each other with like the, are you sure faces? Because we both wanted to tell our stories. So I'm yes. going to let you give an honorable mention of that happened today. Yes, yes, because this um, honorable mention is a little bit, uh, it's a seasonal honorable mention. Tis the season. Tis the season. So. Tis the season to modify behavior. Right, right. So um, we have all heard of Elf on the Shelf. Yes. Right? Um there are strong reactions in all sides of the camp my regarding... It's my favorite Christmas tradition. Oh, my goodness. Sarcasm. Anyways, there is, there is a, a new version of Elf on the Shelf. A, a, a reboot. A reboot, will. yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But this one seems so much more fun. It give is give called, it to the people. Give, give them what they want. It's called Ranch on a Branch. <laughs> yes. I could get behind this. And for those of you listeners who are not from the Midwest. Who, get out. Who, <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> Let us educate. Just a skosh. Ranch. Skosh. Ranch. Uh-huh. The salad dressing ranch. Nay, the dip. The dip, the salad dressing, the condiment, the <laughs> pizza topping, the fill-in-the-blank catcher of all bottle of ranch yes that is a staple in most every midwest household ever. yes yes um so the story is that this little bottle of ranch his name is ranchy <laughs> um he has a whole story and he comes in a little gift box that looks like a refrigerator oh like this is not just a store-bought bottle of ranch like this is an actual figurine Yes. Can, Hidden, I, can you turn the... Hidden Valley has come up. Oh, with, he's got arms and legs. Well, it's ranchy. It's this, a ranch this, bottle. I, I, I thought there was a family in Wisconsin that did this on TikTok no, or something. No, but this, this is, is an actual... This is an actual thing. It is sold out on the Hidden Valley Ranch oh, website. I want one so bad. Um, well, it's sold out. I'm sorry, honey. Um, but he comes with his own storybook, just like Elf on the Shelf. Amazing. He comes in a little gift box that looks like a refrigerator. And apparently the story behind Ranchy for Ranch on a Branch is that he just wants to become a full-fledged bottle of ranch. Aww. That's all he wants. Aww. And so there's a whole story about Ranchy that, yes, he, he wants to, his dream is becoming a full, real bottle Aww. Of Hidden Valley Ranch. Oh, so. Well, yeah. I I don't love Elf on the Shelf. I can get behind Ranch on the Branch. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. I, that is that is a banger, as the kids would say. Yeah. So I think it's pretty cute. I like it. Ranch on a Branch. I like it. All right. Well, Amber and yeah. listeners, if you didn't know it, that happened. <laughs> Well, we want to talk about something, um, something maybe a little more difficult today. Mm -hmm. um, Amber, you've you've brought up this topic in just a second. I'm gonna like let you intro the topic, but yeah, you've brought this up a couple times, and it's something that we've wanted to talk about together. We've talked about it a little bit already, uh -huh. um, but but we wanted to talk about this on the podcast. But I want to say first, um, just again, that we are not experts. Um, 
on this topic and mm -hmm. we don't claim to be we just claim that we're going to talk about this together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we offer no advice no expertise right no um we offer nothing more than just processing and inviting you to process with us yeah. right. and, and we just want to do this really humbly this is maybe a sensitive topic yes and it's our desire just to do this as as sensitively as faithfully um as we can together yeah yeah so amber i'm going to hand this to you okay here you go so um so back in november um we get the christianity today magazine and their november issue had an article regarding um uh, physician assisted or medical assisted um, uh, suicide, I guess, um, is the best way to say it. Um, it was primarily looking at um, the statistics in Canada um, because there were some law changes in Canada that happened. Um, over the past couple of years. Um, and so in reading this article, it just, it, it made me kind of just want to process a little bit about what is, what is the, the best approach or how, I just kind of wanted to process this from a, um, a, a Christian lens, like a, a church lens. Um, I, yeah, so um, the, in Canada, um, in 2016, there were just over a thousand um, deaths by medical assistance. And, and it was legal at this point in 2016? It was legal. Legal adjacent? Legal adjacent, um, but, um, but the, some of the wording changed in the law to make it easier to obtain. More accessible. More accessible. Um, so in 2021, there were just over 10,000. Significant increase. Significant increase. And so there is, yeah, so I don't know if I necessarily want to get into the legalities of this. But what, what kind of approach do we, do we as Christians need to have on this? I, and I hate to say need to have, but, um, you know, there's, there's arguments on both sides that I can, I can understand the arguments for and against. W would you be willing to articulate just briefly what what the argument for and against would be so um and, and this is not your I, I guess i'm asking this you're holding the magazine i'm i'm guessing that yeah it sort of articulates some of that yeah so um again again this is primarily focused in in canada this article um it's talking about it but like once <clears throat> once um they, the, the medical professionals have deemed that um, th um, death is like 
kind of imminent or um, ex expected, um, then then they have to and and the the patient requests the medical providers have to provide the medical assistance. Oh, okay. For that. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say, sorry, I know you said you didn't want to go into the legal, but yeah. when you said death is imminent, like, is this days? Is this hours? Is this weeks? Is it subjective? It's subjective. Um, one of the examples that they give was someone who was struggling with a chronic illness and happened to be in an, in an acute, um, having acute complications. So they were, they were having complications in the moment, but like for the most part, their chronic condition was being managed. I see. But this acute, compl acute complication, um, made the patient feel like like death would be a better option. Right. And the the physician talked to that person because he is now once she requests it, he has to provide it. Well, in talking to the patient, well the patient really didn't want want death they wanted relief and so it's this tension of like okay you want relief right but is that really the way to go about it I, yeah so i don't I, so so the imminence is somewhat subjective yeah i see mm -hmm. um okay yeah. So then, so then, what's the articulate? Well, I, I think we can save the arguments against. But so, so the reverse is like sanctity of life. Right. Right. You know, as as image bearers. You know, and you can you know like this could lead you down all sorts of rabbit trails with like a capital punishment and that type of stuff. But I, right right now, I just want to look at. Um, just the medical assisted. So, so where do you start? Where do you start in your wondering and processing? I, how, so like if we, if we hypothetically, we have this, we, again, this is totally hypothetical. You have a, a, a friend or a, a, a member of your congregation who is dealing with a, a, a chronic or or even an, an acute situation where it's it's um, the, the outcome does not look favorable is is it our responsibility I guess to to talk them out of this is it is it better, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm... Can I can I ask another clarifying question? Yeah, yeah. This is going to take a step back. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Um, all, all of 
are, are we talking just in the scope of like medical, terminal chronic medical conditions here? We're, we're not talking about like chronic depression or bipolar where someone physically healthy, physically bod bodily healthy is able to request medical intervention for this right Th that's not part of the We're law not, not not that i know of not that i know of okay but yeah and and, and we're talking about all ages here right this isn't mm -hmm. this isn't just 90 year old right right okay so then your question back to your question uh, can you can you ask it once again so, so, um, like one of the, one of the, um, um, the situations is those suffering from ALS, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So, so ALS is very debilitating and quality right. of life can go down very quickly. And so like, is, is it, is it, um, I can't think of, think of the wording quite yet, but like, like if the quality of life is poor, is it like releasing them from pain and anguish? Is that what we should be doing? Or like, is it that kind yeah. of making sense? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think, I think that's a good question. One that I'm, you know, I think I just. I think we're trying to be transparent. I'm I'm not sure how to answer. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I I am certainly not going to advocate for someone taking their own life right. in other circumstances. So I right. part of me has a hard time advocating for it. Mm -hmm. In that case, I think where. I, I mean, I, I think I can understand. I have never had a chronic disease. Right. 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 Um, but, but I think even from a Christian worldview, like we, we use this and we know scripturally, like, I mean, Paul says to live as Christ to die is gain. And certainly he's not writing that from a standpoint of a chronic medical condition. Right. right. He's writing that from a, a martyrdom standpoint, mm -hmm. but, but from a Christian worldview, like we, we understand like this, this life, this earthly kingdom, this physical body, while they are given to us and they will be made perfect, they're not, they're not our resurrection body. Mm -hmm. Like there, there is a sense of longing. Like every Christian funeral includes language around, you know, this person's suffering has ended. Mm -hmm. This person is, is no longer feeling pain. Mm -hmm. and, right. and that's a source of celebration. Right. So I, I think I can understand the tension of like, I want that. I mean, even, you know, even again, how many times do you hear, um, you know, folks that are nearing death, Christian folks, people who love Jesus, who know Jesus, that, that will say, I'm ready to be with Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes we say, oh, that's so good, right? Mm -hmm. we, we, you know, we even say things like, well, they just need permission. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I, I guess I'm not sure how, if that's different. Mm -hmm. I, I, th I think that's a good question of like, is there, yeah, 
how how does God view longer suffering? I I mean I don't know I I don't know I, I mean I I think there's probably an argument argument to be made I don't know how to make the argument but there's a discussion to be had around like a con- a control thing right right I, I mean I. Yeah, I don't. I have a point I want to make later. I'm gonna save it. But I mean, I, th- I think. I mean, I think that would probably be one of the questions of like, is it appropriate for us to decide these things? Right. Can can we say all those same things and and not seek medically medical assisted suicide? I mean, can can we say all those things and 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 still just wait I mean I don't know I'm not sure that I want to make a case either way but I think I find I think I find myself having some empathy yeah towards folks in this situation and families yeah Yeah. quite frankly families right right like having not ever been in a situation right even remotely close to this I don't I don't know yeah And, and maybe and and I think that's probably part of it is being being on the outside like how how do we respond to that how how do we respond when a friend of ours says that their parent is seeking this knowing they've they've just just fought and fought and fought this illness or whatever you know, like, because, because, you know, our, I think our knee-jerk reaction is like, oh, they don't want to do that. But, like, I, is that, I don't know. I, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, again, like, I don't, I don't want any of this to try to be any sort of advice. Cause, right. Yeah. Because I, certainly, I, I, you know, we, I didn't do any prep to try to find any sort of like scriptural understanding of how, how to interpret some of this. I I don't know that I can think of a scripture offhand right. that, that that leads me to believe that, that that I have to like go to my friend in your case in your example go to that friend and say gosh you have to stop them right now. Right. Um, you, you know I I I also don't know. I mean, how often do you hear people that, um, you know, get to be upper 80s, early 90s that find they have cancer and, and don't do any treatment? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know, like, practically speaking, are, are, are those different situations? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is actively ending life different than not prolonging life? Right. I don't know. Mm. Hmm. And, yeah. and how, how do those two, how do those two situations connect? I, I think my, maybe my biggest discomfort, <laughs> maybe my biggest discomfort in even thinking about this and having this conversation is there's, I mean, there's just no two chronic diseases that are the same. Oh yeah. Like every, every <clears throat> scenario and situation is <clears throat> so different is so different. I mean, you, your, your example of the 
the person having acute symptoms of a chronic disease, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't think I can get there. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I think I certainly can get to empathy mm-hmm. for, for pain, the desire for relief, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think I can get to say, yeah, I can't even think of a disease where that'd be a thing, but I, I don't think I can get to a place where I can say, yeah, I, you know, this is going to pass in a month and then, and then you'll have a couple of years, maybe remission mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, it, you shouldn't wait for that. Like, I don't think I can get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm doing a lot of, I'm saying a lot of things. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, that's where like, and then you have this tension, um, you know, that, like there's a there's a line in this article that says to value a person is to value their existence. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. And so how I, Yeah. So, so you said sanct sorry, I cut you what? off. No, you said sanctity of life. Mhm. That's a broad statement. Mhm. I th- I think maybe what you just said is maybe the most important thing. Do, 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 we, do we believe that our lives are of no value to ourselves or anybody else because of deep, awful pain? Mm. I, I mean, I, I think from a, from a Christian lens, from a biblical lens, I, I think we would say, no, our, our lives are equally equally valuable whether whether we believe we're quote contributing or have quality of life or not that that God is able to that, I mean I, I think number one that we're able to experience God in those times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in ways that maybe don't happen other in other circumstances but then also to think that you know I we we would say we believe that God can use our lives for others mm-hmm. even in that time mm-hmm yeah, so I, you know, I, I think what you just said is, is pretty, pretty important. Mm-hmm. I mean, what would you say? It, yeah, it's very hard because um, it kind of goes along with our, our previous episode where we were talking about suffering and yeah. wilderness. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's, it's very easy to stand on the one side and say, well, your suffering is just wilderness and you just have to go through it knowing like that that wilderness you know as as John Piper would say that storm god's going to get you through every storm even the one that kills you right like it, yeah is is that is that devaluing life by taking away the suffering I hate to say prematurely but is is that yeah I, I mean do you think we assign value too much based upon our own assessment of how much value we like if we talk value of life like what if if we can simply end life when we feel like we've 
man, I just don't want to sound flippant, right? Right. Sorry, I'm just going to take a second. I just don't want to sound flippant. Like, if, if we say we value life, but then we sort of hold this posture of saying, you know, I, I've, I've, I've suffered too much, I'm, I'm done, so I'm just, I'm, I'm going to choose to end that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is value then defined as... You know, are, are we then, are we the definers of value then? Because mm-hmm. I'm not sure we're the definers of value. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we're the source of our own value. Well, it's subjective. Right. Right? Like right. there's, what one person says is not value, another says it is. Yeah, yeah. And to then try to regulate this with any sort of consistency, you're never going to get there because... right. I mean, even even the same diagnosis in two different people are going to manifest very differently. Right. And, yeah. And, and is, is, you know, we, we value life or, or, you know, we value life when it meets our quality of life or mm-hmm. we right. see our life as having value when, when we don't need anybody to care for us. Like, I, just like a diagnosis is different, it feels like maybe we define what gives our lives value vastly different. Yeah, our thresholds are so very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not to take away, like, again, I've never had a chronic disease, but I, th- I think I can get to a place where I can understand where a person would say, I just don't want this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just... A- especially a Christian. Mm-hmm. I-, I think sometimes we... I think sometimes I hear folks talk about this conversation and assume, well, a disciple of Jesus m- would never be in this situation. I, mm, I, I mm-hmm. think maybe, I think maybe I wonder if we've conditioned even followers of Jesus to say, you know what, I'm ready to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Which, which I again, I don't want to say is wrong. Like, I, I don't know that I can pastorally I can't say that desire is wrong I want to be with Jesus right right I want Jesus to come back tonight right right yeah and and again like that's not getting into the whole like like I think these are going to be like our bodies are going to be made new we're going to have physical body like Mm -hmm. theologically we're not talking about I want to go to disembodied heaven right right ready like I'm ready to be right free of the crap, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I could get to the place of saying, gosh, I just, I understand how a Christian could say, you know, an 85-year-old Christian with ALS or dementia, I get where a family might say, we don't, we don't want this for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so how, how do we, as a church, approach this? Because I, I don't think I, this isn't going to go away. Yeah. Right? Like, this, this is, I think, going to become more of a conversation. Like, how do we approach this? How do we navigate this as, as a body of Christ? Can, can I ask a question? Of course. Do, do you think, do you think, if you were to guess, we don't have data. If, if you were to guess of those 10,000 people, how many of those 10,000 people in Canada that asked for this in, what was it, 20? 2021. 2021. Mm-hmm. 
how many of those people you think are alone? Mm. Oh, that's an interesting thought. So, so there was a woman in, in, in the church I serve who, who passed away last week, who went to be with Jesus last week, and um, lots of family, lots of church care, right? Like, mm-hmm. declined fairly slowly, mm-hmm. but was just surrounded by people who mm-hmm. cared for her. Mm-hmm. Like, does that make a difference? Oh, that's a very interesting thought. So maybe, maybe from like, how do we think about this from a church? Like, d- does a person say, you know what, every day, every other day, whatever it is, every week when this care team member or this family member walks into my room and I get to see their face one more time, like, is, is that enough? Mm. So, so the approach of the church is, is that community, the importance of community. Like, we're not designed to be alone. Right. And are we, are we pouring into those around us who are alone? Whether healthy or unhealthy. Healthy or unhealthy, yeah. Young or old. And what difference, what impact would that make in those situations? I don't know. That's an interesting, it's an interesting idea. That certainly doesn't take suffering away. Right, right. You know. And, and I, I, I don't even know how to answer that because I'm not even sure how I would answer it for myself. Right. Um, so, so I, yeah, but, but I do, I do wonder, like, mm-hmm. what difference c- community makes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is maybe the key difference between the church and the secular world that, mm. that I think the church sort of inherently says, we're, we're going to be with you. Whether it's a small group or a friend group or a care team or an elder or a pastor, or whatever it is, I think the church has this inherent built-in community that says, we're not going to let you sit in this hospital room and die alone, right? Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I heard a, a staff member talk about this, this woman, and like, he, he would say things like, yeah, I just sat and listened to her stories. Mm-hmm. She felt valued. Right. Like, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like, Right. Someone would sit and listen to her talk about her life. Uh-huh. You know. Hmm. Again, I don't I don't want to assume that that makes her say, "Oh gosh, I'm really I'm really right. okay that, suffering." Right. Right. But it maybe makes it gives their gives an element of hope or value. Or value. Or I I'm needed. Like I I, as a mm-hmm. sister in Christ, as a, you know, I, I don't always love the, t- the term senior saint, but a- as an older follower of Jesus, like, I have value to give still. Yeah. Right? I, I have something to say. I have, inf- yeah. I have knowledge. I have experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I do, I just, I do wonder how many of those 10,000 are just kind of sitting in a hospital bed alone. Right. And, and what difference it makes right hmm yeah so so I think we can I think we can have the conversation about like 
ethically speaking, what should the church's position be? I, I don't I don't know how fruitful those right p- position conversations are. Right. Just because how different everything right. is. But, right. But I, I think maybe the community piece, the the we are not going to let you suffer alone. I wonder what that does. Right. Sit in the ashes with them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a very well, you know, yeah, the the community aspect feeds into so many other like even beyond this topic, it just feeds into so many other the mental health and just Yeah, yeah. And spiritual growth and yeah, you know yeah. and, and scripturally that's you know the three chord strand, you know, like someone yeah. falls, you have someone to you know, like there's there's just a lot of scripture references regarding more than a person right. walking by themselves. I mean, I think it's a similar conversation to how we talk about the the community of people that are intellectually or physically disabled. Mm-hmm. Like, do, do we as a church view them as valuable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. having something to contribute to the church, right? And right. Um, yeah, I think it's a very similar conversation. Yeah. Or, or do we just assume that there's no value? There's no value. Right. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, here's, can I throw out a crazy wondering? Yeah. Maybe this is too crazy for the podcast. <laughs> but throw it out there. We, we sometimes talk about, I mean, like broad we, not mm-hmm. like you and I. We Sometimes we talk about... M- things like this as like we are grasping for control we're trying to play god mm-hmm. and sometimes the objection to this is well you know when when god wants your time to be up then your time will be up and you know anything other than that is trying to grasp for something that's not ours to grasp for right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i sometimes maybe want to ask the same question like on the flip side folks that um you know, do we sometimes have to ask the same question from a medical prolonging standpoint? Like, how how do we know if if medical assisted suicide is taking control, an inappropriate amount of control? Mm-hmm. How how much of prolonging life is grasping for too much control? Right. So. Oh. I, again, I'm maybe going out of limb, and I'm not advocating for anything. But one of the things I kept wondering was, how, why is ending a life early taking control, but we don't often talk about prolonging by medical mean, by any medical means necessary, even mm. things that don't improve the quality of life. Those are, we rarely talk about those as grasping for control. Hmm. That's an interesting idea. I don't, idea. it might be too crazy, but... One of these drug commercials, right? There's so many of these drug commercials. And <laughs> yes. I, I remember one particularly. It was it was a it was a, a drug for cancer patients that would mm-hmm. would um, in the fine print fast talk at the end. Mm-hmm. It was it was like you know extends life like two to three months, mm-hmm. right? And and like again, I, I've never been in that situation, so I don't want to be flippant, but. But but if 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 ending a life early is grasping for too much control, at, yeah. How, how do we not ask the same question? 
And you're prolonging yeah. to... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a... Because I don't, know. I don't, that's an I don't interesting think idea. I don't think every aspect of prolonging just automatically includes valuing life. Right. Just like ending early doesn't automatically mean you value. It's so right. complex. Right. Right. Because you can even get into like the do not resuscitate orders. The, right. Of right of people. Right. You know. And. Yeah, yeah, like you get you can go into things like life support and you right. know, like there are just so many avenues. And and that's maybe to go the down. maybe that's the prolonged piece that, that I maybe wonder about is the the like you know, if, if, if I get to be at a medical state where if if medical assistance ends, I, I stop my heart stops beating, I stop breathing. Like how how do you how do we know? what's most faithful. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the question in all of this, what's most faithful. Right. And, and then, I mean, then we have to ask too, like what, what part does grace play in this? <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't think we want to assume a posture of like, what's the right answer that God is, this is yeah. not a, a multiple choice test, right? I don't think this is a black and white. Right. It's one or the other. I, yeah, I think it's just, there's just so much, so much to this that every scenario and every person and situation, everything is so different that to just point blanket, I mean, it's, it's the same conversation as abortion. It's the same conversation, you know, like it's, it's with cap- life. like it's, it's life. It's, it's uh, we, we want simple answers for complex questions. Yeah. Yeah. And this is among one of the most complex. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. I I was with um I was I was with someone yesterday um who um shared the sentiment that being a disciple of Jesus is often an invitation to live in tension that that we are invited to hold things together that we have a hard time holding together. So it's Advent, so waiting and hope, or darkness and hope, or mm. um, you know, wilderness and hope. Um, these things we we kind of often want to make binary. Like either I feel hope or I'm in wilderness, mm. right? Um, yeah. And I think in these complex situations, we want to say this is the most faithful answer that Christians take because xyz and it's either right or it's wrong Mm -hmm. and i'm just not sure that that's always helpful Hmm. Mm -hmm. um that maybe maybe there's a tension and i think the point is that grace covers a lot of the tension Mm -hmm. yeah that 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 we're not called to be disciples of jesus so that we don't the, the call isn't to to make right decisions right the call is to seek seek the Lord and be faithful and, and live faithfully, right? Yeah, yeah. Love God, love others as faithfully as we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a lot. It is. It's, yeah. I, I, I will say I'm thankful that this is not a legal issue that 
I currently have to help people walk through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I anticipate it becoming a more common in the next 10 years, mm -hmm. you know, and I, yeah, I think it's just important to have, have conversations to try to figure this out of like, what is the most faithful response we can do in each situation? In each situation, yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Well, what do you want to, do you have any last words? Um, I, I, I think I just want to reiterate, like we, we are, we are just trying to be faithful in having a conversation and we don't pretend to know what it's like to be in any of these situations. No, no. And, and, uh, we, we, we don't want to come off like we know the situations or, or, uh, we don't want anyone to feel like we have disregarded yeah. the situations. Um, we, yeah, we're very aware of how, just how challenging that can be. Start with humility, right? Yeah. You want to know my last words? Yeah. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is the last words of every hard topic. But. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for engaging. Yeah. I, we we hope that this drives some good wonderings and some stirrings, and, and maybe there's some grace in wherever you're listening that yeah. you might be able to process some of this with someone else and yeah. get I curious. Think. So, thanks, Amber. Thanks, Art. Amber, last week you called this segment of the podcast our favorite. Mm-hmm. I stand by it. Ooh, wow. <laughs> I, well, I, was just gonna, I didn't say the listener's favorite. But. I was just going to ask if you wanted to stand by that or if you wanted to rescind that. But, um, hey, I, I like it. Way to, way to make a stand and stick with it. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm, with mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. said, Amber, mm -hmm. what you reading? Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to... I'm trying... <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're struggling. I'm struggling a bit. Um... So I'm going to go with a book called Gone Girl mm. by Gillian Flynn. Is this a movie? It is also a movie. It's book first. Book first. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very interesting. It's a novel. Um, there's definitely a twist to the book that I didn't see coming right off. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to spoil it, but um, the premise is a this man's wife disappears um, on their fifth wedding anniversary, I think it is. And um, so it's this, this progression of like trying to find out what happened, where she went, they can't find her, and just this whole whole story of the missing wife 
and um, so it's told from his perspective and then it's told from the wife's diary. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's all I'm going to say, but it is a okay. pretty good pretty good book. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So all Kurt, right. what's your reading? Well, I am kind of lax on the reading again. Mm -hmm. um, I did listen to a Michael Crichton book that I'm not really sure that I want to advocate for. Um, it was good. It was maybe a little more on the adult side. Mm -hmm. It was a kind of a mur murder thriller that had some sort of sexual, like the murder was like a, a murder of passion. Okay. And, and I didn't know that going in. It was a pretty good book, but I don't think I want to go there. I instead... <laughs> our, our, water. Our, our water is doing the thing. Sorry. Sorry. You um, probably hear that. Yeah, I'm sure they can hear <laughs> So instead of a book, I mm -hmm. want to share a podcast. Okay. I think I've shared this before. It's a podcast called No Dumb Questions. And one of the recent episodes was entitled... Can you, can AI fool you? Mm. And it was all about this sort of new chatbot technology mm -hmm. um, that is just incredibly smart and incredibly advanced. And they were on the podcast making it do things and making it write things in an instant that passed for human, human writing and human thought. Um, and, and I, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but if you've seen Terminator 2, which I'm not thinking you've seen Terminator 2. I haven't seen Terminator Skynet, 2. does that mean anything to you? No. I'm pretty sure Skynet is, is happening. You'll have to watch Terminator 2 to get that reference, but I'm pretty sure the robots are taking over. I mean, I did see iRobot. Yeah. Um, they, they get into a, a thing, some technology that was, um, that Elon Musk, yeah, Elon Musk didn't make it, but his companies made mm -hmm. it the mm -hmm. technology that you can get um uh, like a basically a mini computer implanted in your brain <sighs> no, and you can no, control no, a computer no, from no, just from your idea. brain it's just a bad idea so between the chatbot and the the other ai that like gets directly put into your head um it turns out um irobot we could just have human irobots uh, when elon musk puts his chips in, in our brains just the, none of this is a good idea. Um, no. And it scares me, and it makes me sound like a boomer. I don't care. But um, AI is getting pretty good, and it scares me. <laughs> so I'd recommend listening to that, not okay. to be scared, but just it's a good listen. These are smart okay. people. So. All right. Well, Amber, thanks yeah. for the conversation. Yeah. Until next time. Until next time. The Date Night Podcast was written and presented by Amber and Kurt. Produced by Kurt and Amber. Intro music and interlude selected by Amber and Kurt. Editing by Kurt and Amber. Logo and thumbnail created by Amber and Kurt. Research and fact-checking done by Kurt and Amber. This has been a production of Amber and Kurt.